Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who brings us great comfort. In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Ah, very good. Today, as we are going through the end part of the Sundays of Easter, is Rogate Sunday. Rogate is the old Latin word for ask. It's been given this name because this Sunday is all about prayer. When we pray, we pray to God. We ask God for things. We appeal to our Father who is in heaven, and he hears us for the sake of Jesus. When Jesus teaches us to pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he says, And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then instead like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Did you hear that? Our Father. Notice here, Jesus doesn't beck us to call upon the Father. He doesn't call us, tell us to call him the Father God. He doesn't tell him, say, call upon my Father. He says, our Father. Notice here that he doesn't beckon us to call him his Father, the Father, anything like that. He is our Father. And this is so important to frame how we pray and why we pray as Christians. In the small catechism, Martin Luther, he says, With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father. We are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear father. What a wonderful invitation to pray. Jesus tells us to call upon his father as our father. When my children need something... They ask. I cannot tell you how many times, just as I'm sitting down at the table or my wife is prepared to take her first bite of a meal, that we hear our children cry out in the most obnoxious way they can, so they know they're heard, more milk, please! Well, what do we do? We drop our forks, one of us gets up, and refills our child's milk. Well, why do we do this? Well, why do we do what we do? What do we do? How do we do this? Well, it's because these are our children. They need milk. They cannot pour it themselves, and so they ask. And they ask with confidence because they know that they will receive what they need. They know not because their words are magical. They know not because there's any merit on their part, but of who they are asking. We are their mother. We are their father. They know that we love them. And they know that we will provide them with milk at the proper time and in the proper way. Jesus tells us to have that same attitude when it comes to prayer. He says in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you? If his son asks him for some bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? My wife and I, we're sinners. Yet we know what our children need, and, and we give it to them, because they need it. How much more will our Father in heaven give us? He is perfect. He is holy. He loves us perfectly, and he knows our needs better than we do. And so we must never be afraid to ask. It's not an inconvenience or a burden to him like it is to me when my children ask for stuff. It's his pleasure to hear us and help us for Jesus' sake. And this is the exact attitude that Jesus is asking us to have today as we pray. He says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. See, Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. He had shared the Lord's Supper with them. He had washed their feet. And now he's teaching his disciples about what's going to happen. He told them now was the time for his departure. He's going to his father. And as he departs to go to his father, they will have sorrow. They will not see him any longer. They will suffer want and pain. They will struggle and suffer in this life as they mourn. They will no longer see Jesus face to face, and yet amid it all, Jesus promises that they will see him again, and their joy will be full on that day. It will be so full that they will need not ask anything of him. They will have to wait for that day to come, though. It's not now. It's not yet. And so now, the disciples have to endure this troublesome world. Now, we have to endure in this troublesome world. Jesus makes that very clear. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. And so, how does Jesus invite us to face that trouble? Well, he tells us to ask for help. Like a child asking a father. Cry out to the Father in prayer. Pray in the name of Jesus. And as we pray in the name of Christ and by faith in Christ, we pray as dear children asking their dear father. In John chapter 3, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Because we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We are made in the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what it says in John chapter 1. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so you, my dear Christians, are free to ask anything of your Father in heaven with the same confidence that a child asks a parent for a cup of milk. You are free because you ask in the name of Christ Jesus. And that means you ask the Father according to faith in Jesus. You pray according to your faith in Jesus. You pray according to what Christ has done for you. And this is of ultimate importance as we live as the people of God, because apart from faith in Christ Jesus, we are children of darkness. 
We neither have the right nor the invitation to pray to the Father apart from Christ. Apart from faith in Jesus, we cannot pray in confidence. We have no promise that we will be heard. Apart from saving faith in Christ Jesus, we have no assurance that we will be heard. We are sinners who through sin have estranged ourselves from our Father in heaven. And like little prodigal sons in our sin, we flee from the Father. We would despise his gifts. We would despise his love. We would seek to live our lives free from his love and his will from us. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 1. It says, And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind to God, doing evil deeds. That means that if we are left in our sin, God would not promise to hear our prayers. If we were to pray, we would have no assurance, we would have no promise that God would hear what we ask of him. We would not know if we were asking the right things. We would be left in uncertainty, we would be left in doubt. We might as well be blindly crying out to the air or a blind, empty concept out in the universe. Some people do that. Some people shout out into the universe. They pray to the ethereal world out in the beyond. They pray to dead spirits. And those prayers are at best empty and at worst destructive. But faith in Christ, that's what makes us in the children of God. We don't live as alien children. We don't live as children of the darkness. Our sin does not make us into children of darkness who are estranged from our Father in heaven because God has reconciled us to himself. The book of Colossians goes on to say, Jesus has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. In Christ, our sins do not estrange us from our heavenly Father, because our sins are removed from us for his sake. And that's why Jesus invites us to pray, to ask anything of the Father in his name. He's going to stand before our Father, and our Father sees him. He sees the risen and glorified body of Jesus. As Jesus ascends into heaven, he sits at the right hand of the Father, and there the Father sees the marks of his nails. He sees the wound of the spear that pierced his only begotten son. He sees that price that was paid for your justification. He hears the intercessions that Jesus makes on your behalf. As Jesus stands before his Father in heaven and says, These little ones, these little ones I have forgiven. These little ones I have bled for. These ones I have died for. St. Paul says, For there is one God. There's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. He who pleads your case makes you and your prayers presentable in the sight of God the Father. Every prayer that we utter to God in the name of Jesus is a prayer uttered in grace. Your sins are forgiven you. Jesus has died for you. Jesus has risen for you. You have been given faith in the promises of Jesus. And so as you pray in faith, God the Father hears you for the sake of his Son. That's why Jesus says, In that day you will ask in my name, 
And I do not say that you will ask the Father on your, I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I have come from God. See, our Father makes you and your prayers holy to God for the sake of Jesus. The prophet Zephaniah says it this way, he says, for, when, for then I will give to the people's purified lips that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord. God purifies our prayer. God purifies our lips. He purifies our lives. He makes it holy. And then he invites us to pray in the name of Jesus with the certainty that he hears us. And he holds our prayers as precious and sacred treasures. To pray in the name of Jesus means to pray in faith that since Jesus has died for me, since Jesus has forgiven all my sins, I am free to approach the throne of grace at heaven with confidence knowing that I will be heard. And so, dear Christians, my friends, I encourage you to pray because there is nothing that prevents you if for no other reason, praise because Jesus, pray because Jesus invites you to do it. He says, ask. Pray because you can. Prayer is faith in Christ put into practice. Prayer is the very lifeblood and the language of faith. Do you believe that you are a forgiven sinner? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Then pray. Pray to the Father. Martin Luther famously says this. It's a, it's a beautiful phrase. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Jesus even tells us what to ask for. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus invites us to ask him so that our joy may be full. What does perfect joy come from? But it comes from faith in Jesus. We pray that our faith in Jesus might be strengthened, might be preached into our ears, preached into our hearts, strengthened in our lives. We pray that if our faith is weak, that it might be strengthened. We pray that we may hear and read the word of God. We pray that we might come to the sacraments with joy and be strengthened in faith. We pray that the Holy Spirit would come and help us by causing us to see Jesus. And that he would work even more in greater and stronger faith. We pray in this way and we also are free to pray for everything else under the sun, big or small. We are able to let our requests be made known to God. We are free to cry out to him in the same way that my children never shy away from asking me for anything, no matter how big or ridiculous it may be. We are free to ask God. Sometimes the elemental powers of this world, the forces of evil, seek to prevent our prayers. The devil, the world, and our sinful nature, they hate the prayers of Christians that they offer to God in faith, and they will do anything to stir up doubt or confusion or distraction or temptation or anything else to prevent a Christian from praying. And so that means we must pray all the more. We pray to spite the devil, shame the world, and we pray to tame our own sinful flesh because those things would prevent us from praying. These are not attacks on prayer alone. No, they are attack on faith in Christ. Have you ever noticed that when you begin to pray, that's when you're, you're most easily distracted? Or that's when you're most tempted? It's when you feel the need to do something else, or you feel like you're doing something futile and worthless, and you need to go out and do something of more value. I'm just sitting here praying. 
It's when that cell phone beckons you to pick it up and start scrolling. It's, it's when that TV and that remote becomes all more appealing. It's when all the noise around you in life begins to call for your attention. It's when you pray. Can you imagine that? To pray is to enter into a truly spiritual battle. It's to stand before the devil, the world, and your own sinful nature and say, I defy all of you. Because I am redeemed by Christ Jesus, who has died for all my sins. I don't belong to you. I do not hope in you. I don't trust in your empty promises. I belong to Jesus. He is mine, and I am his. And he invites me to pray. And so that's what I'm going to do. Your lies mean nothing because my sin has been made into nothing. And my Father has promised that he loves me and that he hears me. So be quiet. Leave me alone, O tempter. Because I'm talking to my Father. Pray that your joy may be full. Jesus invites his disciples to pray for this. He also tells them that their joy will come when they see him. He says, so also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take that joy away from you. You see, Jesus is the ultimate and complete joy that we look to as Christians. And in seeing him, we will see him on the last day. In seeing him, we see him today in faith. We look forward to his return as he raises the dead and we get to be with him forever. But even now, you, dear Christians, you see him. St. Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You pray knowing Jesus. And see, we see and know Jesus by faith. We receive Jesus by faith. And so we pray in faith that our faith would be strengthened so that our joy is made complete. So that we may never fall away from the gift that we have by faith in Christ Jesus. So that we might rest eternally in the forgiveness of sins. And that joy endures amid every sort of suffering, every sort of trial, every sort of sorrow or trouble that life brings us. Jesus does not deceive us and say, if you pray, your life will be easy. He says, in this world you will have trouble. And the world is the kingdom of the devil and he is where murder lies and every sort of sin reign. Jesus has come to conquer those things, though. The kingdom of the devil rages against and attacks Jesus in any way that it can. He attacks Christ, and his attack on Christ is often focused on you. He will try to tempt you, alarm you, fill your life with every sort of false teaching because he wants to drive you into doubt and despair and hell. But Jesus comforts us in the face of this trouble when he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. As the devil attacks, as the world mocks us and assaults us, as our flesh is easily misled this way or that, we have the gift of peace in Christ. He says, in me, you may have peace. He is our peace. He is our forgiveness. He is our victory over death. His ascent into heaven, his gospel promises, his power to save, they are yours, given to you. You have all these things set before you by faith. It's as if Jesus is telling us, yes, your enemies... They're greater than you are. 
They will cause you nothing but trouble. You will suffer in this life. You will feel the effects of sin. You will be tempted. You will be weak. You will have hardship. You will have pain. These things, though, are very small compared to what you have in me. As all of this comes and makes a ruckus and a calamity in your life, I call them and put them to peace. I say, be still. I have conquered them all. Sin, death, and the devil have all been crushed under my feet, and even now I stand as your advocate before your Father and my Father. Trust in me. Be at peace in me. Pray in my name. Know that I am your ever-present help in trouble and find relief in my gospel. You have the word of God, dear Christians. You have God's invitation to pray. You have the promise that your prayers are heard. You have the forgiveness of sins in Christ. You have the hope and the comfort of eternal life. All that's set before you is the joy of the gospel. Psalm 103 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions for us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. We all have needs. We all have troubles. We all have things that cause suffering in our lives. And it does not matter how big or small your need is. It does not matter if you can find the perfect words to say or not. If you have distress, if you need anything, if you are tempted, if you feel guilty over a sin, if you are sad or anxious, if you have doubts or spiritual and personal apathy, if you are sick and poor, pray. Pray in the name of Jesus. Pray to the one who has already overcome the world. Pray to the one who has the power to save. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it slowly. Think about the things you are asking for as you say each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Pray with your Bible and your hymnal and your catechism opening, open, reflecting on what God promises and what we need from him. Pray at a set time every day. Make that hour that moment, that time that you have set aside to pray sacred and inviolate in your day. Pray with and for your children. Pray with other Christians. Pray with your spouse. Pray in faith that God has made you into his children. Come and pray with the body of God's church. Ask his dear children, ask their dear Father in heaven, because he hears you. You can pour out your heart to him. He cares. You are free to approach the throne of your Father in heaven. Dear friends in Christ, do not neglect this gift. Do not forget this gift, but stand in confidence. Approach that throne of grace and pray in the name of Jesus. Your Father promises to hear you. He cares for you. He will deliver you. Call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and he will save you from your enemies. In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen.
Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith, the life everlasting. Live in Christ's peace. Amen.